0: The Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Weekly Potpourri Edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist, and editor with Rick Broering. It's presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. Just a handful of days shy of Christmas, you just came back from a road trip with NKU. All right, you got all your Christmas stuff done,
0: Rick? Uh, I will start it as soon as we finish this podcast. But huh. I, I will say no one really tells you that the best part of getting engaged slash married is you'll never really have to Christmas shop again.
1: That's a good point. That's a really you know, good point. There's
0: like a thing or two that you maybe should do, but for the most part, like it's not really your job anymore.
1: No, correct. That's correct. I mean, the thing is you get to a certain point where if you just really want something, you just go buy it.
0: Well, right. And and I've already reached that point long ago. So I I was never really worried about the process, but it is a hassle, especially if you work in basketball during this time of year so no question that part has been nice
1: yeah no question about it all right um, I'm coming off my booster shot and it's kicked my ass and I'm I'm surviving but we'll see if I got the energy to finish this whole podcast I'm plugging (laughs) All right, it's knocked me out and and I didn't think it would. So let's let's go. Let's go. We got we got stuff to do. I'm energized now. Let's go. Let's go. We
0: appreciate you being a soldier, Skinny. Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase, defensive end Trey Hendrickson and running back Joe Mixon have been voted the AFC team for the 2022 NFL Pro Bowl game. Chase was voted as a starter. Additionally, five Bengals have been voted as alternates for the AFC squad. Quarterback Joe Burrow, long snapper Clark Harris were both second alternates. Defensive end, Sam Hubbard, and defensive tackle Larry Joby were fourth alternates, and cornerback Mike Hilton is a fifth alternate. Skinny, I'll ask it this way. Which Bengals player did you think got snubbed?
1: I don't think any of them got snubbed. I really don't. Um, you know, I wish Jadobia Wuzier had put up some stats because it's hard to quantify some of the good things that he's done but I'd have to also look at the rest of the corners in the league. I think he's been a great find for the Bengals, but I think they got it right. I do. I think that was, I always like when they go down to the fifth alternate, which I, that tells you how desperate they are that, Hey, this guy's probably not going to go. And that guy's probably not going to go. And that guy won't go. And that guy won't go. I, I will find this interesting though, Rick, and I'm serious about this. If, if, uh, you know, Joe Burrow being a second alternate, you can almost assure that depending on where the Bengals are from a playoff perspective, that he will have an opportunity to go. I just wonder with that pinky, if they're going to do something with it in the, in the postseason if he elects not to, not to play in the pro bowl for that reason, because his second alternate you usually go.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a very good chance that he would get to play. How much do you care about this type of thing? I mean, is it cool at all to see Burrow and chase play together in a pro Bowl especially this early in their career or yeah. is this is is this thing become totally lame
1: yeah it, I think it's become totally lame over the last 15 to 20 years you know'm with I'll, you. Go, I'll go back in the day and it was kind of like every all-star game NBA um, baseball you did you didn't see a lot of these guys play I mean you know I can see all these guys play on a regular basis and so and, and I think there really was way back in the day talking 70s and 80s I think there was some conference pride on the line a lot of times, right or wrong. And so I think it meant something to guys to play. I mean, there was real live tackling, real live hitting. I think the only rules you had back then were you you couldn't blitz, but you could do just about everything else from a football perspective. Now, honestly, you might as well play two-hand touch and seven on seven, for goodness sakes. And so it's it's lost any luster to me. I I know I like the recognition. Part of me, I just almost would say, let's just recognize these guys and move on. Don't even play the game.
0: I've been at that point for a while now. I actually think the cooler idea is more of Remember the old NFL quarterbacks challenge that they would oh, have yeah. on TV? Do Oh, yeah. Do contests like that. Just let let us see them in skills contests because in basketball, like when they do that during All-Star Weekend, it's kind of dumb. I mean, watching them throw a, a pass through a hula hoop or whatever in basketball is whatever. But in the NFL, watching NFL quarterbacks throw it at like moving targets from 65 yards away and stuff, pretty entertaining. Uh, I used I, to enjoy the NFL quarterbacks challenge. I'd be interested in watching that. I'd be interested in watching like wide receivers run races, J- just different challenges like that, as opposed to playing the game, something that they would take some pride in competing one-on-one against each other.
1: Yeah, the the fear there. And I, I'll go back to Barry Larkin when they used to have an all-star s- baseball skill competition and he got hurt. And so then you run the risk of potential. And in- I just, I just don't, I, I just, just be done with it. It's a, it's a meaningless game that nobody watches any longer. I don't even bet on it.
0: <laughs> well, th- I'd say that's a good financial decision. You certainly should not be betting on the NFL Pro Bowl where no one cares at all what's well, that, that, happening. But, They're right, not but, really trying. and But that would be my only interest in the game. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, I wouldn't tell you to have any interest in it, but I definitely would not recommend you bet on it to try to fake that interest. Yeah. Back to your original question, though. Did you think there were any snubs? Uh, Chidobi Awuzie probably would have been the first name that would have come to mind. But I get what you're saying about he just didn't really have number. He doesn't have the interception numbers that pop out at you and say, oh, yeah, he dominated another guy that I think has been really good, but just doesn't have the sack numbers up front to go with it. That would make him stand out is DJ reader. If you look at like pro football focus and some of the other places that do The different rating systems. Everyone seems to be really high on him, which matches what we've seen. It seems like he's been a force against the run and a big reason the Bengals defense has been good when it's been good. But yeah, I don't know exactly how you quantify that and put it up against other Pro Bowl resumes. Yeah,
1: I, I think Larry Ogunjobi, and he obviously got some recognition because he's a what is a fourth alternate. Um, I think he's been equally as good. He's been more disruptive. And, and again, you can quantify him. And you're right, it's hard to quantify DJ Reader. That's what sucks. I mean, yeah, you can use some pro football focused numbers, but listen, fans voting for the Pro Bowl don't know that. Not Not some of them do, but not all of them.
0: Right. And that's and Burrow, you could make the argument now, you know, he's been elevated to the number one quarterback as rated by pro football focus. Now, how much does that mean? Does it really matter to be all that much? Uh, no, not really. But it at least is interesting to look at it from the perspective of he doesn't quite have the same counting statistics as some of those other guys, because the Bengals have been more conservative with their offense at times and not put him in a position where he has to throw the ball a ton this year. But when they graded out on a quality of pass basis and an efficiency basis and all of those things, Burrow is right there at the top of the NFL.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if you took away some of the interceptions that he even would tell you he shouldn't have thrown, some of them have been fluky, but some of them are on him. You take those out of the equation. He's been uber efficient.
0: That's a great point. I mean, think about some of the silly interceptions that he's thrown. where you go, wow, that's really out of character. It would seem for him. You take those away. And you're exactly right. I mean, how much farther ahead would he be from all these guys in terms yeah. of those pro football-focused numbers?
1: Yeah, no, and I think I think he has shown he can get you a shootout, and he can get you an efficient 160 yards when you need it, and get to keep the chains moving when you need it, and uh, that's that's a, that's a winning quarterback. You know, you, you I, I don't look at him as Brett Favre gunslinger, Aaron Rodgers gunslinger. Uh, take all the gunslingers you want to talk about not even Drew Brees gunslinger. I'm looking at him as the model of efficiency, and it's it feels very
0: Tom Brady esque from an efficiency standpoint. Yeah, but the great thing about him is he still has that aura of magic about him at times too, yeah, right? He can, he can that, yeah. keep that play alive and make the play downfield and, and do some of that fun stuff, especially late in games that you see those other stars do without being too risky and erratic throughout the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a signature game for him. He, he wins this game and they win this game and put themselves really on the door of the playoffs as quickly as that would have happened in year two is, is honestly, that's pretty astonishing.
0: No, that's true. I mean, that that will solidify the season that he's already have if they can pull off the win this week against the Ravens. And we'll talk more about that here coming up during our betting segment. Let's move on here to the college football side of things where the college football playoff management committee announced Wednesday that semifinal games will not be made up if a team does not have enough players available due to COVID-19 cases. If a team is unable to field enough players, it would forfeit the game and its opponent would advance the college football playoff national championship. If both teams in a semifinal are unable to play, the game will be declared a no contest and the winner of the other semifinal will be declared the national champion. And if three of the four college football semifinal teams are left unavailable due to COVID-19 issues, the lone remaining squad would be deemed a national champion. Skinny. What do you think of the idea of the college football playoff potentially being decided by forfeit?
1: I think you better make sure your players are taking care of themselves and using every precaution possible. And and I think that's going to be really hard with Christmas break coming up. Um, you know, I, I know that most coaches, even with the playoffs looming, are going to let their kids go home for Christmas break, and rightfully so but that's where you kind of get in that little danger zone area. And and so I, I think your speech to your players is, listen, you know, this could get us and you're, you're going to have to do some things that maybe you don't want to do. you know, be around your family, but stay distant, Um, you know, take whatever precautions, continually wash your hands, continually do do everything you can because all it takes is one guy in the offensive line room to get it, come back, not know he has it, get tested. And then everybody in that offensive line room gets contact traced and you're hosed for a while. So I, I get it. Um, I know they've also talked about. I think Rick that um they they would push the the championship game back as many as four days before they made a de- declaration on, on that if it came down to it. I just hope it doesn't come down to it. But we've already seen Texas A and M's out of the uh, whatever bowl they were in the Tax Slayer Bowl or whatever the hell it was, um because they didn't have enough guys. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of other teams that are in that same mix, but. I, you know, listen, Hell, the NHL is shut down for now. We're seeing the NBA on a nightly basis. We're seeing college basketball on a daily basis. Um, get get games banged. Um, all it takes is a handful of guys in, in the contact tracing. And, and you know, I, I just I think you better have due diligence if you really part of part of preparing is not just preparing, you know, your body uh, physically and preparing mentally and doing reps against the opponent and, and, and doing game plan stuff part of it better be you better take care of yourself and, and try not to to, uh, to to catch this even as, as minor as it might be and it's a very minor strain it seems like especially for this age group especially for any age group actually but um you know it is real and they are they are going to n- nick you for it so i think this christmas break for all four of those teams is going to be really vital to
0: see what happens when they come
1: back to practice
0: i assume the reason that they're saying they'd have to just forfeit these games and they can't extend it and give them more time. And even for the championship game, they they only have four days to push it back. Right. Is a logistical issue because it's going to cost them too much money to keep rescheduling these things and potentially play the game without all the fans there making the money. If you have to refund tickets for the original scheduled date and you don't have a sellout crowd, or you can't have a crowd for the rescheduled date or however that works out. I assume that's the issue here is they're, they're worried about money, but doesn't that seem kind of crazy for an organization that makes billions of dollars and can't even figure out how to spend their money because they're making so much and trying to well, keep it away from the college athletes? Yeah, I, I, I just I, like, I, how I could we it. not play the college football playoff? It's, It's the whole reason you play the whole season is for these three games. Understood. But I think.
1: I think we're getting in that gray area with the NFL. I mean, I, I know we're going to talk about the Bengals game later. There's a part, there's a small part of me that wonders if that game gets banged for this weekend and pushed back the way yeah, but it that, that's like not, not the, the Super
0: Bowl, and they wouldn't know. The
1: no, I'm, I'm noting you. I, I think this is, this is not an idle threat, but I think it's just a threat to say, listen, guys, your teams better take every precaution necessary because we're not dilly dallying with this. We're not going to keep pushing this back here and there because here's the other part. What if one game gets played on the 31st and the other gets pushed
0: back to the eighth and then the championship game is the 14th. Is that fair? Well, and I can understand that more so than I can understand we can't push the championship game back.
1: Well, but they what? are. They, they, they they've put a four-day four window. But well, yeah, that, I that, mean, that allows you can't you. push that it back you. a week?
0: Maybe. I, you I don't can't know push it back lo- two weeks? What's the difference?
1: Know. Well, I don't know what other logistics you run into at that point. I honestly don't.
0: Yeah, and I assume that's what it's about, but my guess is it's mostly about money for them. It's mostly about having to move things around and the cost of that. And I get at some point there's so many moving pieces of this, it will be hard to figure it all out. But you've already done it once during the pandemic. You can make this happen. You can figure it out at this level with the money we're talking about for this type of event. It just seems weird to me that you would say, yeah, we might have to decide this by forfeit, (laughs) considering it's what the entire sport is based on.
1: Yeah, and maybe it's an idle threat too. I mean, remember the NFL um, had said that they were never going to push back games this year, right? And then when push yeah. came to shove, Lo and, and they behold, said, they're ah, pushing back games. Let's push it back. And maybe this is more of a threat of, listen, do your due diligence. We're not, we're not messing around with this. And then if push comes to shove, if you push it back to a New Year's Day, which then I think you run into some some TV issues probably at that point. But wherever you push it back to, maybe. Monday, the third, Tuesday, the fourth for the semifinals, whatever it might be, then maybe you can, you can do some of that. The, the one part I will say is it's not like, and it's not like this matters. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like you're suddenly playing this in the middle of February where guys are gone for a full week in the middle of class. I mean, you're still on break at this point. So you still, I mean, you don't have to worry about class. working around class schedules for anybody
0: either. Yeah. Oh, and let's be real. No, they I, I, may I'm never not, I'm care not, about working around no, class I'm, schedules. I'm not,
1: yeah. but, but you have, but you have that window in there with still all these teams on break. To, to potentially do something. So I I don't think it's an idle threat at the moment, but we'll see if it comes down to it, if, if it really is going to be a team having to forfeit or they're going to be good in a day or two.
0: Yeah, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but you just have this feeling that somehow Alabama is going to win another national championship without ever having to even play one.
1: Um. Yeah, that would be, that would be interesting for sure. I, you know, the only thing I'm glad about, Rick, is that Rutgers now is getting into a bowl game. They deserved it at five and seven.
0: Yeah, no, that was really the... the real point that i wanted to make here yeah i I appreciate you you bringing that up yeah yep all right let's move on to the college basketball side of things skiddy we'll start with the kentucky wildcats they beat north carolina by 29 points in las vegas on saturday and western kentucky by 35 at rup arena on wednesday both of those games were on short notice after covid cancellations what's gotten into this uk team on offense
1: uh, started making shots and, and severe Wheeler started making some shots and Oscar Shibway grabs every rebound known to mankind that, Rick, 20, 28 rebounds is almost unfathomable, is it not? It's insane. In, in, in
0: Even if you were playing a Division Three squad, it's insane right. to get that many right. rebounds.
1: Right. Um, you know, I, I I used to laugh looking at old numbers of Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem and, and those guys back in the in the 60s and 70s when they were pulling down 28, well, 35, well, 37 yeah, rebounds a Because game. there were
0: more rebounds than missed shots yes. in those yes. days. Yeah. The, the yeah. no, stat no. keepers were, like, illiterate.
1: Yeah, no, no question, but it still always astonished me to see he had 35 rebounds in a game. And now I see Oster Shibway in today's day and age where, listen, man, you get to 10 rebounds, you're a damn quality. Hell, you average eight and a half a game on the board. You're a damn quality rebounder, right? Yeah. Dude's grabbing 28 in a game. That's crazy.
0: It's insane. Now, I mean, it's I legitimately will say, insane.
1: Now, I will say this, and, and credit to Kentucky for the two wins because they played really well. Um, but, and I'll put the but on there, They've only played one road game still. And what happened in that one road game? They lost. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to withhold judgment until I see them go to LSU in a couple of weeks and play. Um, because I, I think that's fair at this point. They didn't shoot it well away from home. Maybe they never do this season, and maybe that becomes a thing. But on the neutral, and certainly last night, uh, they 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 looked the part of what, I thought going in was a top 10 team and then really kind of fell out of favor after the Notre Dame game. maybe, maybe it was just a one and maybe it was just a one-off. Maybe you look at it as just a one-off. Maybe it was.
0: Yeah. I, I think there's definitely some of that, but I think there's also a few things that they've done a really good job of. They're not shooting a ton of threes. They only attempted, I, I think 15 or so against North Carolina and made, and, and made eight and made eight, which is a great percentage. Yeah. And then they had 20 against, uh against, Western, Western, Western Kentucky, but uh, they distributed those threes really well. Kellen Grady shot a ton of them. You know, he hit nine yeah, and five of whatever it was against North Carolina, but he, he hits 11 threes in those two games back to back. That was something that they needed more of. And he said after one of those two games that Khaled basically told him, shoot or sit. Like that. that's why you're here. We need you to shoot more threes. And I think that's the right message. Also, Ty Ty Washington. I talked about him on the last podcast we did that I think he's going to have to start shooting more threes. This offense needs more threes. And he's a guy that's proven he can make them. He he probably just needs to shoot them more often. And he's done that through those last two games. And I think that's helped spread the floor a little bit more too. Uh, The other thing is, They've really moved the ball well. They're sharing at a high level, and you got to give Washington and Severe Wheeler credit for that. Yeah, be- because, because they're kind of be- starting it with the by initiating the offense.
1: Yeah, and, and a lot I think early on was Severe Wheeler was just so darn ball dominant, trying to get downhill that it. I think the offense did get
0: stagnant at times. Yeah, he did a good job adjusting because going back to that Notre Dame game, they kind of came up with that blueprint of don't guard him, sag right. off, play in the lane, and and make it difficult on everybody else to because it's so tight there. He didn't react well to that. Cal said, "I didn't have him prepared. We're going to figure that out. We'll we'll develop a plan because everyone else is obviously going to do that." They bounced back really well from that. Severe so Wheeler has played well the yep. last two games. He w- he wasn't as good against Western Kentucky in terms of scoring, but he dropped eight assists in that game. So I think that was an important step for this Kentucky team to take offensively too. I agree with you that there's still plenty to prove here. You know, the the win over Western Kentucky is certainly impressive, but. They're by no means a juggernaut. They're ranked 99th in Ken Palm right now. The win over North Carolina is certainly more impressive. But again, it's coming at Rupp Arena. So let's see how they do when they get on the road in SEC play. But if you're a UK fan, you certainly feel a whole different way about this team this week than you did one week ago.
1: No question. Yeah, no question.
0: All right, Xavier beat Marquette at the Centa Center last weekend, but then followed that up on Tuesday with a loss at Villanova, in which the Musketeers led by eight points at halftime before being outscored by 21 in the second half. Skinny, what do you make of Xavier's brilliant first half at Villanova followed by its miserable second half?
1: Yeah, I would have thought for a Villanova team that was scuffling, right? And then you kind of hit them in the mouth with the eight-point lead that you'd have a chance to put them away. I realize it's on the road, and that's especially when you played in that smaller gym, and... Um it that makes it tough. but I, I really thought at that point Xavier had a chance to to put together an impressive win and then the second half, man, it was rough in just about every area it could be rough. And you know, maybe it was maybe it was a coming to Jesus moment for Villanova. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe Jay Wright said, guys, we ain't playing very well at the moment, and it's up to you now to fi- find a way to pull yourselves out of this. And they did and and certainly being at home helped. but maybe that was the the, the seminal moment for Villanova this season because remember they they've been stringing together some really bad games here of late and there's there's your conference opponent coming into your arena and putting you down eight at the half and they could have easily folded tent and didn't so you know a little tip of the captain nova and and for xavier disappointing because you had him down eight at the half for sure
0: i think there's a bit of that in terms of nova feeling backed into the corner back against the wall whatever cliche you want to use and just kind of saying all right we've got to find our own way out of this there's we've hit rock bottom there's nothing else to lose let's let's figure it out and they they played better for sure
1: but there's but, one big number. Go ahead and point out the big number for Xavier. It's a pretty, pretty big number, right?
0: Are you talking about second half turnovers? Oh, for 14 on threes. Oh, okay. That, that too. Yeah. I mean, the, the turnovers were almost worse because yeah. I think you could have survived a really bad shooting performance if you weren't so bad in every, like, Xavier just couldn't completely melt down in this game. They, they had the chance to win if they just played slightly less than average. I mean, kind of bad. But they were awful. Awful. They were as bad as you can possibly be. They turned the ball over three times in 66 seconds to start the half, seven times through the first seven minutes. You mentioned they go zero for 14 from three point range in the second half. And it's not like the wrong guys are in position to do these things. You know, the guys who are turning the ball over are Paul Scruggs, your fifth year point guard and Colby Jones, your budding sophomore playmaker on the wing who you probably trust as much as anybody to be out there making plays for you. It's, I don't know what exactly you're supposed to do in that situation and what keeps your players from just completely melting down the way that Xavier's guys did. And sure, there was some parts where they probably got tight and forced a shot or two. But they also got some pretty clean looks for Nate Johnson in the final couple of minutes with the game still on the line. And he couldn't put one down. He's been great. He's made tons of shy I mean, that's not a cr- criticism of Nate Johnson, but it's just like, wh- what happened there where they just couldn't get themselves out of that rut. And, you know, everyone's going to talk about the last couple years with Travis Steele and, and relate it back to that. And to those people's point, I- I'll agree with them that it felt a lot like some of those games had the end of last year when you're at Butler and you just can't find a way to get out of the rut you're in and you go on to lose a, a game that you quite frankly should win and that would have put you in the tournament stuff like that is it's hard to quantify, but when it continuously happens, people are going to get frustrated and they're going to want explanations. And
1: well, I, but today's game is so predicated on shot making. It just is, uh, you know, and, and when you go over 14 from three, I, I know what you're talking about with the turnovers. I still don't know if you survive that not on the road, not at a good program. Well, and it's almost impossible to go 0 for
0: 14 from three, right. especially right. in a day's day at a. I I mean,
1: so is there anybody to blame for that? Or you just say, hey, guys just didn't make shots. Good shot makers didn't make shots. Good shot makers didn't make good shots.
0: Right. And, and I agree with exactly what you're saying, but I also just wonder how many times Can Xavier keep doing that? No, I mean, to a certain extent, I say this is a different team and they haven't had these problems the whole year. They've been really good. They've got some big wins on the resume already. They're 11 and two. They're in a great position in terms of the resume for the NCAA tournament. So I'm not saying that this team is exactly like all the other Xavier teams. But at the same time, the Xavier fans that want to look at that and be be critical and say, "Eh, this feels a lot like some of the issues we've had going back to the last couple of years. It's hard to argue against that to a certain extent because this is the way it feels. They just for some reason all of a sudden get to these points where they can't make a shot and they don't have a guy that they get them out of these downward spirals. And maybe that's what it is as much as anything is do they have that go to player? Do they have the best player on the court in any given game? They've got a lot of good players. They've got good depth of good players. But going back to last year and this this offseason, I've always questioned, do they have a number one? Do they know who their go-to guy is at the end of games? And this would make me question that once again, if they have that type of guy on this roster.
1: I'm going to ask you a quick question, too, though. In your opinion this year, especially in this league, how many losses finishes first in the league? I'd say,
0: yeah, I would say five or six will probably get it done. Yeah,
1: okay. Um, I think I'm just going to chalk this up to one half of basketball for the time being, but you you got to file it back in your memory bank. And you're right. You've got the past couple of years to go on top of that. Um, but sometimes as a coach, you, you're, it's hard to coach out of over 14. Um, could you get Zach Fremantle to touch? Maybe at that point and try to get something easy. Sure. I'll give you that, but it, it's hard for hard, hard to, hard to survive that on the road going over 14. So I'm going to take it. Kind of like I'm taking the Kentucky, you know, the, the Kentucky wins a little bit is is with a grain of salt. Um, I think this is certainly your take advantage at home. Go win the two or three games you should win on the road and can win on the road. And then you got to go steal one. The sad part about this is this is one you could have stolen and should have
0: stolen. Yeah, this this home game against UConn coming up next on Tuesday, December 28th. Huge. That's a big one, because I yep. think as a Xavier fan, if they get back on track, they beat the team that some view as the best team in the conference. If not, a lot of people view them as the biggest challenger to Villanova. You win that game, even though it's at home, I think everyone breathes a sigh of relief and say, okay, this team is who we think they are. They're one of the best teams in this conference. Villanova at Finneran Pavilion is Villanova at Finneran Pavilion, and it's not just Xavier that struggles there. It's everyone in the conference not named Butler. So, uh, you know, you can, you can understand the loss there, but, man, it's tough to watch a team crumble the way that Xavier did in the second half, and particularly the way you, you watch an eight point halftime lead just disappear like that.
1: And again, especially against the Nova team that was really reeling big time.
0: Yeah. And for NKU, it was the opposite on Wednesday night. After losing an overtime at Eastern Kentucky on Saturday, the Norse really struggled in the first half against Indiana at Assembly Hall as they fell behind 38 to 14 at halftime only to outscore the Hoosiers 47-41 to in the second half and a 79-61 loss. Skitty, what did you make of NKU's second-half turnaround after their miserable first half? Well,
1: I'm going to flip it on you because you were there doing the game. Um, And we've seen this before, right, where you have a team with a big halftime lead and the second half becomes kind of glorified garbage time. Was it like that, or was NKU doing better things, or were they just putting the ball in the bucket?
0: well a lot of the latter it's just the difference between making shots and not making shots at all but there's a difference in how they played and skinny it's something we've seen with this team off and on all year they're a hard team to figure out because sometimes you've got these guys on the wing that play with such confidence and step into three pointers and pump fake and drive and kick out and play really well on the offensive end and look like killers. You know, Marquez Warwick and Trayvon Faulkner in particular at times look like they could compete against anybody in the country. And then there are other times where These guys just seem to really lack confidence and they look like no one wants to take the shot and they're very passive on the offensive end and they can't get anything to go in when they're playing like that. And that's how the first half played out. I don't know if they got tight and got a little intimidated after they had a few shots blocked inside by Trace Jackson Davis and they saw their threes not going in, but it was a complete meltdown in the first half in terms of their confidence, their ability to make shots.
1: Yeah, and, and listen, I don't expect them to match up with Trey Stax, Jackson Davis on the other end of the. Year. Nor do I, but I, I do think that some of that because uh, I was going to ask you that question of how much is it he stands at the rim and they just don't feel confident going at him, and then when he erases a couple, then you really live, are living on the perimeter, living on the perimeter on the road. That's that's a, and when that team is significantly better than you because they are they're a bigger they're a bigger bigger team, um, that's a that's a tough place that's a tough thing to go through. Maybe the second half is is a jump starter for them too. Of listen, just attack. Just go attack, and listen. We attacked a, a Big Ten program in the second half, guys, and I'm going to hang our hats on that. And now we're going to get back into league play. And if we attack like that in our league, we're going to finish at the rim. We're going to get good looks at threes,
0: and we're going to start winning a bunch of ball games. And that's the truth. If they play anywhere close to the way they played in the second half of that game, and you're right, I mean. Indiana, it's going to be natural for them to play the score a little bit and relax, right? They're not going to be as sharp as they are in the first half of that game. when they've got a a giant lead like that 24-point lead at halftime. And they were playing some of their backups a little bit more minutes. They were playing their backup big man a few more minutes than they have otherwise because they didn't need Trace Jackson Davis out there for 30-plus in this one. So I understand all of that. But at the same time, you know as a coach the difference between when your guys are – Forcing a shot and they're not getting a good look, and you're waiting till the end of a possession, and someone kind of just has to throw it up there, and it doesn't look like anyone has confidence. Versus when guys are eye in the rim, pump faking, driving, making the defense scramble and help against them, kicking it back out to a shooter, another one more pass, and getting an open in, great shot. Yeah, getting yeah, a in through. rhythm shot. It's like that's just a totally different feel on offense. That's the way they played in the second half. And this team always lives by the three to a certain extent. I, that's who they are. I'm fine with that, but. I don't understand where they go from being so confident and playing with toughness and energy. And if you go to their practices, their practices are phenomenal. Like these guys, you would think they are just this rugged group that blitzes people on defense and flies all around the place and plays with a ton of confidence on offense. And sometimes they get into games and they're just not that team. And I don't know if it's product of having some of your best players be sophomores and freshmen right now, and they're just kind of trying to figure those things out. But it's definitely something that has got to get fixed as the season goes on.
1: And, and, you know, that's what you, maybe you, maybe you take the the film of the second half. You don't even show them the film of the first half and say, here, let's watch this. And this is how we just attacked the Big Ten team. And this is the confidence you played with in the second half. And you didn't worry about score. You didn't worry about anything other than just playing hard, getting downhill, getting an open shot, making open shots, playing with confidence. Now we go into our league where nobody's going to out-athlete us. So let's go do the same thing.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Darren Horn told us during the postgame show that he called a timeout with a few minutes left in the game before he subbed in his bench. And he just wanted to tell his guys, this is the team that we are. This is who we're going to be going forward. And we're going to win a lot of games doing that. But he just wanted them to know that. Yeah, you know, no, great. Get the first smart. half out of your mind because this is the team that we're going to play like going forward. And finally, Cincinnati picked up a pair of wins on Saturday and Tuesday. The Bearcats beat Division II Ashland 71-57 on Saturday and took down Tennessee Tech 76-67 on Tuesday. Skinny, do you think West Miller's squad has shown any progress since the Crosstown shootout loss?
1: I mean, you, don't, you didn't score a whole lot against the Division II team, and I know Ashland's usually pretty good. I'll give you some of that. Um, you know, Tennessee Tech, then, you know, you, you beat them by nine. I think they were a 16-point favorite. No, I I don't, because it's hard to measure against, I mean, against two teams that you're just better than. And so I I don't know if you can measure if they've gotten better. I think you are gonna be able to measure them pretty quickly, though, when they once they, once they hop into the league, because it's going to get real pretty quick.
0: Yeah, the, the first game against Houston is going to be a tough one for them. I don't think they match up with Houston very well at all. We'll start to see a little bit more of how they stack up when they play some of those middling teams in the American athletic conference. And I think they might stack up pretty well against some of those teams, but I'm with you. One, you just can't really take much from these games period. And two, the fact that they let both Ashland and certainly Tennessee tech go on some runs, some bigger runs in those games that they went through those offensive droughts where, you know, like the type of moments that have really killed them this year that would still concern me. They, I I don't think they've really shown any reason Think, Oh yeah. They're starting to turn a corner and things are getting better on the offensive end for them. So uh, we'll see. I I think that Houston game is going to be tough and then we'll get a better look at how they stack up in the American after that.
1: Yeah, because they play a Tulane and an SMU and uh, an East Carolina in the next mix. So, yeah, you know, I I don't even know if I can take much away from Houston unless they actually go down there and play so well that it's eye-popping. But, yeah, I think when you start playing some of the rest of the teams in the league, then you're going to know what this team's about.
0: Agreed. All right, let's get to our betting segment. Skinny, we were both three and five last week. I'm 93, 89 and two overall. You are 92, 90 and two overall. One game Mm. separating us at the moment. Next week, we'll have Iowa, Kentucky, Utah, Ohio State, UC Bammer. And we'll uh, pick the other semifinal bowl game as well.
1: And I'm going, and this is not in our picks because this podcast will be out after this game's probably close to final. But I'm just going to go on record and say North Texas 41, Miami 24.
0: <laughs> okay, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Jed Demius. you would be happy to hear that. Yeah, I know you
1: will. That's why. Uh, I did
0: it. <laughs> and we've got uh, some NFL games to pick here. So we'll start on Thursday night, 8:20. We've got the 49ers as a three-point favorite at Tennessee. The total is 44 and a half.
1: Yeah, if Tennessee can get A.J. Brown back for this game, and it's possible, um, you know, suddenly you're starting to get another weapon back. I'm still a little surprised Tennessee's an underdog. I, I listen. tip of the cap to Frisco. They come here and win, then have to go back home and, and beat Atlanta soundly. Now they have to go on short week to, to Tennessee. I think that's tough. So they they went Eastern time zone back home. Eastern, well, Central time zone in the case of Nashville, I guess. Central time zone in the span of, uh, what was that? 10 days, 11 days? Yep. That's a, that's a big ass. for that's me. That's tough. And, Listen, I think they are playing well. I know Tennessee's leaking oil a little bit, but Tennessee literally was an inch away from first and goal or first and ten at the eleven, whatever it was, against Pittsburgh and a chance to pull that win out. And um, yeah, they they did slog along after it was thirteen to nothing. But I think some of that was Pittsburgh's back was against the wall and they just hunkered down and started playing defense. You know, they are compromised Tennessee on offense because no Derrick Henry and he's been a big part of it. Although Foreman's run the ball really well, I I think I like Tennessee outright in this one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Titans twenty-seven. San Fran, 23. So the Titans and the over for me.
0: I'm on the same pick here, Titans and the over. I like it. Titans, 24, 49ers, 21. And I just think the Titans win this one outright. And since the Derrick Henry thing happened, the way people talk about them has been kind of disrespectful. In my well, it's been, I
1: think- it's, it's, but, it, but it's been no Derrick Henry. And at times, not only no Derrick Henry, but they no, they know um, A.J. Brown and no no um, Julio Jones at times. I mean, you're down three stars.
0: And the other thing is we're getting to a point where this feels a lot like last year, where if you're betting these games early in the week, you're doing so at your own risk because you right. just have no idea who's actually going to be playing by the time we get to the kickoff.
1: Yeah, no, you're right.
0: All right. Sunday at 1 PM, we've got Ravens at Bengals. The Bengals are a three point favorite in this one. The total is 45 and a half skinny. Are you surprised at all by the line here?
1: No, that's about right, I think. Um, You know, uh, Baltimore's last three games, they've lost by, this is the craziest thing, by a combined four points. And you can argue maybe they don't lose two of them if Harbaugh kicks an extra point. Um, The segment I do on Wednesdays with Mo Egger, he and I actually talked about this, and and I'm interested in your take. Would you rather have the Bengals facing a a fully healthy Tyler Huntley who's played pretty well in place of Lamar Jackson or would you rather face the, the Ravens with, a, with an ankle-bothered Lamar Jackson playing and maybe a limited Lamar Jackson playing
0: you know, that's a good question, especially after what the Bengals did against Lamar Jackson the first time around. Yep. I, I can't get that first game out of my mind when I think about this matchup because of the way that the Bengals had such a good game plan defensively for Lamar Jackson. Sure did. But, but then also on the flip side of that, they have really handled the Ravens defense well, too. They knew exactly what was coming. They picked up the exotic blitz stuff and they they were great in terms of moving the football in that game too. So I they thoroughly dominated dominated that game plan so much, and the matchups worked so well in their favor. I can't get that out of my head.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, and honestly, Tyler Huntley's played pretty well in place, Lamar. Listen, long-term, you certainly want healthy Lamar Jackson over Tyler Huntley for multiple reasons.
0: But in this but matchup? Again,
1: yeah, but in this matchup, I'm, I'm, again, I'm going back to hobbling Lamar Jackson who may be compromised in the run game, which is certainly a big part of what he does and they do versus a fully healthy Tyler Huntley with now a th- two starts under his belt. Who do you want?
0: I think I'm going with Lamar Jackson, assuming he's not himself as a runner, because right. if he's limited in what he can do in the run game, that changes everything for their offense. No
1: question. I, I, I think that's absolutely right, and... Uh, he did not practice on Wednesday. That's that's usually not overly alarming. We'll see what happens today. If he misses two in a row, that's raises a little bit of more alarm bells because you'd like your starting quarterback to get, to get reps in, in, in the two main practices of the week before you get to the Friday walkthrough. The other part, too, is they're, they're just so – the thing that's going to be hard to predict in this game is is how many guys come off the COVID list for Baltimore. they got 15 guys on the COVID list, nine on defense. Not all of them starters, mind you, but on a 53-man roster, dude, that's a whole lot of guys.
0: Especially when you look at the defense side, where they are starting to legitimately run out of numbers there.
1: And that's why I, I there's a part of me that fears today. If we get bad news on the Ravens COVID front that, that, that I, I hope I'm wrong that this game gets talked about being moved and that that's going to suck too, because, and I mean this sincerely, I, I don't blame any ill will on Lamar Jackson, but it's going to suck that he might have, if it happens two extra days to get that ankle better.
0: Yeah. That's that unfortunate for the Bengals. Right. Is that fair? Not really. I,
1: yeah, so I'm going to take it as is, though, Rick. I'm going to go Bengals. I, 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 I think they're ready for this. I, I'm, I'm going to probably bite my tongue on Sunday night. I can see it coming. I think they're ready for this. I think the way that they went out to Denver and found a way to win that game when they needed to win that game to keep pace, they take a deep breath, you come back home, and and they win this game. And I think they win it. I don't want to say soundly, but I think they win it. You know, at least the way you should to get to the playoffs. I'll go Bengals twenty-seven, Baltimore twenty-three. So the Bengals and the over for me.
0: We're very similar here again. I had Bengals 27, Ravens 20. Bengals and over. Again, I just go back to that first matchup. And if you're talking about Lamar Jackson, that's even less of a threat to make plays with his legs than usual, or even if it's Huntley. Right. And the defense is compromised for Baltimore as well. They're going to be missing guys. At who knows exactly how many will be out by the time we get to kickoff. but it's clearly going to be a number.
1: And listen, the Bengals have a chance to have all hands on deck at corner if Awuja comes off the, I, you know, I hate to say this, and the question was asked yesterday, and, and and Zach didn't give a great answer, but, you know, if Awuja comes back, you've got Awuja, Waynes, and Hilton, and you've got Eli Apple who's been playing pretty well, and the question was, who starts? And all he said was, I liked our depth, it was a, you know, it was a non-answer answer, I get that part of it, and he wasn't going to give anything away, but that's another good thing, you got all hands on deck, Um the, the, the one thing that's interesting is how will Marcus Bailey handle starting and facing that offense? Cause it's, I got all that eye candy with it. Young linebacker. He did play a handful of snaps. The first time they played, he played pretty well in Denver. I thought when Joe Bocce went out, but this is a whole new animal. And I think he's a big key to this because listen, line, there's a lot of stress on linebackers facing this offense.
0: Yeah. Uh, Logan Wilson was a difference maker in that first. No game. doubt not having no him doubt. there definitely does change things. That That is a fair point, but If last week was that get over the hump, must win, really important, gotta have it game for Zach Taylor and the Bengals, this, I think, has the potential to be that turning point game where they become that team that's no longer trying to prove themselves and no longer trying to scrap their way there. This is where they announce themselves, and they're like, we're big time, and we've got Joe Burrow, and we're going to the playoffs this year, and all of that stuff. I, I mean, this is... This is a big-time confidence game and statement game for the Bengals. If they pull this one off, I will be impressed. So, yeah, both of us on the Bengals and over there. All
1: right, but before you move on, I got a great question that Jay Morrison asked Zach Taylor yesterday. I really, I kind of chuckled at it in a good way. I thought it was a great question. It was the last question of his press conference. And, and Jay asked it in this vein. Would you rather have, with 90 seconds to go, the ball in Joe Burrow's hands down to, or with your defense on the field up to? Now, he gave a diplomatic answer because he said, I trust both, but I'm going to ask you, you have to make a choice. 90 seconds to go. Let's just say it's 80 uh, yards you got to go. It's 80 eight. yards. I'll go 75 yards. We'll start at the 25 yard line. 75 yards. 90 seconds. Down two or up two? Would you rather it be Joe Burrow on the field down two? or defense on the field up to?
0: This isn't even close. If you think this is close, you're an oh, idiot. Oh, I do. Oh, I do. You're an idiot. Like, it, 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 first of all, in the NFL, needing three points in an end-of-game scenario is, like, freaking automatic. Everyone gets into field goal range in that scenario. No one can stop anyone when you only need to get to, what, about the 40-yard line in today's NFL? Well, and, 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 and with and the Bengals having it, Evan it, McPherson, and, and that, and with, that's automatic. You you All you need to do is get him within 55 yards, and you're going to win that game.
1: Yeah, and in this game, you got Justin Tucker on the other side from fifty-seven or fifty-eight yards as well,
0: right? Right. I mean, the, the, I, I don't know how you would even question this if you're someone well, who was like watching the Bengals the team. I love the oh, qu- it. I thought it was it's right a question. great. It's a great question. I, I, I like the idea of it, the concept of it, but it's undoubtedly Joe Burrow. You put the ball in Burrow's hands. Fair enough. Uh, what's your answer?
1: I think I'm good either way, especially after the way they finished the Denver All game. Right. Like, granted, you, it was not. It was are you not Zach a Taylor? Game. If I've got to give an answer, I'll, I'll say I'd rather have the defense on the field. I I, I want the lead.
0: Uh, that's crazy to me.
1: I don't want to have it come down as good as Evan McPherson is. And remember the Green Bay came down to a field goal, right? And he didn't make it. And that's no you knock. The kid, you're not going to make every field goal. And he's wow. been stupid great, right? He's been stupid great. But I'd rather be playing with the lead.
0: There were only about 85 mile an hour winds swirling throughout you. the I'm stadium that day, and I'm, uh, I'm you. Yeah, I. I I just, I think that's great. In today's NFL, I don't even know if it matters what teams are playing in that situation. As long as I've got like a top half of the NFL quarterback on my roster, I think I'm going to play down two and go for the field goal.
1: I, I will say, to your point, you saw it on uh, whatever the hell night that was. Tuesday night, Browns and, and, uh, and, and Raiders. It was a one-point game, but it, there was enough time left after Cleveland scored for Derek Carr to get them down to, to Daniel Carson field goal range to win it. You're right.
0: I mean, They, they won't make every field goal, but it's almost automatic that you're going to give yourself a chance to kick that. Mm, fair enough. Sunday night, 8.20 p.m., Washington football team at Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are a 10.5-point favorite in this one. Chance to win the NFC East. 47.5 is the total.
1: Yeah, again, I don't know who's playing for Washington. I don't know if it matters. Um, Dallas's defense is playing really well right now, yeah. and I know it was the Giants. The thing is, they need to get their offense back on track, and this just feels like a little bit of a get-right game for their offense. National TV at home, uh, playing a team that you know is is probably still a little decimated by either injury or or COVID on the defensive side, and I I, I just think Dallas rolls in this one. I'm going to go Cowboys 34-14, so Dallas and barely over for me. We're
0: way too similar on all these picks. Not going to be a lot of separation after this one. I, I was on 35-17 here. Cowboys in the over as well. I I think this is going to be a blowout. I could see it being even uglier than that. I think the Cowboys with the chance to win the NFC East and Washington yeah. football team is kind of folded for the year. So, All right, we'll go on to Monday night, 8.15 p.m. We've got Dolphins at the Saints. The Saints are a three-point favorite, and the total is 39.
1: Yeah, I mean, give Miami credit um with what they've done here in this this six game winning streak to get it back to seven and seven. But let, let's note a few things here. Here's the, here's the seven game winning streak. Texans, Ravens at home. I'll give them that one. Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets again. And so have you really beaten much in that in that time frame? Yeah. Saints, Saints, Saints are very much alive in the playoff after their big win over Tampa. That defense was outstanding. I don't think they 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 get a whole lot of points. I do think Alvin Kamara. They get back to using him more. Um, kind of went away from him, it. Look like and some of that Tampa's is so good against the run that it's it really is hard to run on that defense. I think the Saints win this one. I'll go Saints twenty, Dolphins thirteen. So the Saints and the under for me. I I love the Saints in this one. I don't know if I like the total so much, but I do love the Saints laying only three at home.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think both of these teams are really good defensively, but thirty nine is such a small number in the NFL. I would be a little bit worried about that number too. I was on the under here, but just by a point. I went Saints 21 Dolphins 17. So I we're, we're, we're dead on in our analysis here across the board in this one uh, this week. It's not not a great slate of games to find separation in our them. No, exactly. All right, we'll uh, move on to our Ask Any Anything segment where we've got a handful of questions here, so feel free to go as uh, short or long as you want on all these. Line them up, baby. Let's go. We'll start off with a sports-related question or two. Uh, someone would like a guess about how the Paul Brown Stadium lease might play out in 2026. Well,
1: that's a great question. I, I think a lot of it has to do with where is this team situated at that point, right? Um if if this team suddenly, and I don't see it happening because they're they're kind of now back in that open window period, right? Um, but I, I can see people people fighting to keep them around and making things work if things are going well. If they weren't, and I think they are, that's the thing, that I think people would just simply say, and, and, the, and the groundswell would be, fine, you don't want to re-up, you don't want to re-up at our um our, our, uh, our markings, if you will, fine, take off and leave. I think a lot of it has to do with whether this team's winning at that point. And so a lot of, a lot of what Zach Taylor and his group are doing right now, I think goes a long way towards where we go with that in five years.
0: I think they have an option to just renew yeah, for five years, five more years to get like to 30, I 31. Right. I think they can yeah. do that twice out to like 20, 34, yeah, 34. Yes. Um. Uh, my guess is that's what happens.
1: Yeah, I, no, I just you you were right 36, 36. 36. yeah I'm kind of with you I, I just I, I don't does the Brown family really have um the energy to pack up and do do this somewhere else honestly yeah did, I mean I, I guess you could always argue they could sell and that's always a possibility I they're just such football lifers that no and I'm not trying to be mean but by the by the point of the two extensions you talked about Mike is probably no going to be no longer with us um, so you know. Katie's a football lifer, Troy's a football lifer, their daughter's now in the business. Um, yeah, I, I Again, I think a lot of it has to do with winning usurps all, man. Winning makes you want them to stick around, and when they've been losing, you almost say, I don't care whether you're here or not here. And I think a lot of fans were like that the last few years. I think it's been shown in the fact that the ticket sales haven't exactly bounced all the way back this year. It's usually kind of a one year later is when fans start to buy back in again.
0: Yeah. I think, so I think next year they that. will have great ticket sales. I
1: do, I do too. I yeah. think you're seeing that. And you know, it, it's it's stunning cuz trust me, you've seen the emails and I've seen guys on TV and you know, we're we're the partner station for the for the Bengals and we're pushing ticket sales and that tells me if if that's being asked and and being done that um you know, there's a lot of a lot of tickets still available for a as big a game as you've had around here since probably the Pittsburgh playoff game, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, Yeah, it's, it's hard to get in that too much, but I will say I think the Bengals have drafted the right quarterback at the right time in terms of trying to negotiate for a new stadium or upgrades for their stadium or what have you. So uh, my guess is they're going to be in a pretty good position and have a little bit more leverage when they have this conversation in five or ten years.
1: Even if he doesn't think there's much to do in Cincinnati. <laughs>
0: That's right. Yeah, of course. If he leaves town after his first contract, that would uh, make things okay. a little bit more difficult. You let good, you good let point. him go. If he turns this franchise around, then you let him get out of town after that first year, first uh, contract. Who, buddy?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't see that taking place. But you're right. it's all. All that's always on the table, Rick. Right? You're for sure. You're right.
0: Oh, he said there's nothing to do here, Skinny. I know everyone's <laughs> fired up about that. They've got their skyline and their uh, whatever other well, listen, OTR I, places I, they like. I-
1: <laughs> I know a lot of people got it, but I, I didn't. I just thought, they're, they're, I, I love Cincinnati. I That's love where we live in Northern Kentucky. It's it's a great place to, to raise a family, to work, to live. I love everything about it. But as I mentioned to Mo yesterday when we talked, I said, man, this ain't South Beach. So, I mean, relax. Yeah, we're Cincinnati, I, and it's a good thing
0: that we're Cincinnati. Yeah, and also, this is what you want your quarterback to say. You yes. want your quarterback to be like, I'm boring. He's a football, nothing he's a football to nerd. Yeah, right, He's
1: a football nerd. That's great. I want my quarterback to be a football
0: nerd. This is what, like, Tom Brady would say, you know, oh, right. there's nothing to do. All I do is study. I mean, this is what the quarterback is supposed to say. This is a quarterback move by him. But also, like, I don't think people realize what it's like to be a celebrity in this day and age. I don't think it's a lot of fun to go out, period, unless no, you're in right. a place like, la or miami where it's not a big deal to be out in public and be a celebrity because there's so many of them but like around here anywhere you go you're just going to end up on everyone's instagram story and snapchat and everything else with a beer in your hand i mean like no no, right you got to go to nothing but elite places and kind of stay out of the the spotlight so i i totally get where he's coming from as a young single rich dude i'm I'm with you I, i kind of bought into that what is the hardest part of coaching that most people don't realize skinny um, breaking players of bad
1: habits and, and, and listen, I, I, I don't, this is not a knock on other coaches, but eh, kind well, is. well, okay. <laughs> I, I, all I, those I,
0: crappy coaches I, that came before you. <laughs> no,
1: no, because I think they think that they're, they're, you know, I'm just a big fundamental guy. I, I think things like right now we're doing a drill every day in practice, Rick. It sounds boring and mundane where you take two dribbles, come to a jump stop, turn and pivot to your target. We have a lot of guys that like to come down the lane and throw no look passes that go up into the stands. I don't like it. I, listen, I you know if you can pull that off, great. I don't like it. Come to a stop, see your target, give your guy a good pass. Um, I, I think a lot of that is breaking guys. About, I'm trying to get a couple of kids on, on my team to shoot the basketball the right way. They 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 really struggle to make shots, and a lot of it has to do with form and technique. And when you try to show them, hey, and I tried to show them before they left for the summer, of this is what I'm asking you to do, and work on this. And I get people telling me, well, my kid's getting up a bunch of shots. Well, that's great. But if you're shooting it wrong still, then, then listen, it's not going to be any better. I, I, I quit it to golf, hitting golf balls. You can go, Hey, I'm going to go hit three buckets of balls today. That's great. I appreciate the work ethic, but if you're swinging incorrectly and you're getting the same bad results, then why continue to do that? So I think a lot of that is, is honestly, it's just, it's breaking, it's breaking habits.
0: I'm not a coach myself, but I would think another thing that would be really difficult is dealing with players' confidence. I, yeah. It would be so yeah, hard it's a fine for me to line. figure it's that line. out. Like, it's why are line. certain guys confident at times and not other times? Like, the, the thing with NKU right now is so perplexing to me, just having a little insight to the program, having been at preseason practices, all, all the stuff that I've seen to get to this point where, you know, they just turn it on and off at different times. And I, I don't think that's, There's anything that's changing X and O wise or game plan wise or strategy wise or anything like that. It's just like a matter of who they are in their own head that given night seems to make all the difference in the world for them. That to me would be so frustrating and also difficult as a coach.
1: Yeah, and then you know, you've you've got some kids who've been used to starting in the past and and maybe a kid's gotten better over the last year or maybe it's a kid you just trust to do things better or maybe a kid's come in from another school and um you know, you're a little bit more melded than you were coming through and uh, you know, not everything's the same. The kid who's a fifth grader is not the same kid he was as a ninth grader. Both good and bad. Sometimes kids are a ton better. Um and, and so for me it's always been do I trust you to do the things I'm asking you to do? And if I can trust you, I'm going to play you. You may not have a lot of talent, but if you're going to be in the right place at the right time, do the right thing, um, I'm going to trust you because I probably have two or three other guys who can do the big things, who can score the ball, who can go create, who are just a better basketball players, better shooters. And so I think some of that, you know, and and, and I know feelings get hurt sometimes when, when you don't start. And I've tried to tell them, listen, I don't care who starts. It's a matter of who finishes a lot of times. And I am I got an eight or nine man rotation, usually nine. And so I'm going to play most of you because I want to play you. And because, you know, sometimes I take you out just because it's somebody else's turn to play or maybe you didn't do something I didn't like and I'll put you back in. But, you know, you got to get it corrected. And, And so then you get you get some hurt feelings there as well. And I understand that. But I can't. I really can't worry about that. I, I I try to be honest with them. Of here's why I'm taking you out, or here's why you're not playing the minutes you're playing, or here's why you're playing the minutes you're playing. You're doing all these little things for us, man. You're taking a charge. You're setting a good screen. You're you're you know you're communicating on defense, and and nobody sees those things. But when you're coaching them, that's you see that, and so. I, I think there's a lot of the psychology to it, too, Rick. You know, I, I love one of my favorite things an AAU kid coach did years ago because he had a group of parents that were up in arms that Johnny wasn't starting or Billy wasn't starting, Jimmy and Jeffy wasn't starting, and Kirk wasn't starting, and Mike, whoever they were. So before a game, and I watched this with my own eyes, he sent all 10 guys out to center circle on his team. And the referee said, No, no, I need five. He said, I got my starters out there. He said, Coach, you can't play 10. He said, No, no, go ahead and do what you have to do. I know what you're going to do. Go ahead and do it. He goes, Are you sure? So because they had too many guys on the floor, five technical fouls to which the coach looked up at the parents and said, see, I told you I couldn't start them all. And I love that. That's a great
0: AAU coach move.
1: It's one of my favorite things of all time. Such an AAU
0: guy move. Yep, yep. Along with making the kids run during a timeout, which we that's saw right. an actual that's division right. one college coach do this year. So that's right. All right. If there was anything happening in the boxing world, you can bet our guy Tony is going to ask us about it. So here we go. Skinny, I, I assume you saw the the knockout by Jake. I, Paul, did. By I did. I did. Uh, were you impressed?
1: Okay. I was so impressed, Rick, and I'm not going to lie to you that I actually went to ESPN on what was that? It was Saturday night into Sunday morning, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I, I woke up. I was just kind of laying in bed, turned my laptop on, was just kind of reading through some things. I'm like, oh, I'm going to read about all the things in the fight. And I literally read that story start to finish and was really impressed with the way Jake Paul explained what he did to throw that punch.
0: Yeah. And, and, wa- he, and watching and I, it, you can actually see him too. Like yes. his eyes go down to the body, and you see Woodley come down to like slap, thinking the jab's coming, and he just lit him up. Yeah.
1: And listen, I'm not a huge boxing fan. I was, you know, back in the back in the day, but I'm really not now. But I when I saw that that land, I'm like, I gonna read this story. And, and when I read it, I actually literally I, I thought that was such a good explanation for it. now. Listen, he's 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 obviously a brand and that's what he wants to be and all those things. But I think he really does want to be a legitimate boxer now.
0: Uh, Tyron Woodley is not a boxer by trade. He's more of a a brawler, a wrestler, whatever, as a UFC guy. Um, Same way with the other UFC guy that he knocked out, Ben Askren. And then obviously the Nate Johnson thing, was, or not Nate Johnson, Nate Robinson. Nate 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 Johnson's the Xavier guy. He did did not get knocked out. Don't worry, Xavier fans. And and, and Um, Nate
1: Robinson did play in the NBA. So.
0: Right. and that, But I mean, that's that was like a silly fight for him to take in yes, the first yes. place. But it's what you have to do to get on people's radar, right? You got to create a scene and create a sideshow. And, and that's what he did. And, and I think the whole idea of how he's created this giant way for boxers to get paid now without having to deal with all these shady promoters, right. boxing promoters, is a great thing for the sport. I think it's interesting to see where it goes. But in terms of Jake Paul as a legitimate boxer, we're to the point where we need to see him fight a boxer now. Yeah, I mean, he's enough. good enough that he needs to fight an actual boxer. And I he may not be good enough to beat real boxers. I think that argument is still valid to some extent, but he has dangerous power. I mean, the fact that he's knocking out a guy like Tyron Woodley cold like that is, I mean, he impressive dropped him, to some extent.
1: He, he dropped
0: him. I mean, he absolutely uh, it was a little bit frightening. Like, you, dude, you that know, wasn't he that- OK.
1: Yeah, that wasn't like you'd get a guy into a corner and, and you combo him to death and finally they break it and he crumples to the ground.
0: This was like, banger-banger quitter type stuff. Yeah, see ya. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, we're to the point where for other people's safety, we probably need to see him start fighting real boxers.
1: Yeah, probably, probably right.
0: Uh, Clayton says, am I nuts for asking for a bidet for Christmas? Family thinks I'm crazy. This starts our uh, holiday section of the show off.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with a bidet. I mean, who doesn't want a clean, clean area down there,
0: right? I think actually it's the more sanitary thing to do at the very minimum. Yes. I think you should be using some type of disposable wipe. Like I,
1: I I'm fully on board with that, dude. There's no question about it. There's nothing worse, Rick, than when you're standing next to the guy who smells because his underwear smells nothing. Uh, worse. I'm yeah, so good. Okay, go I'm so goofy that I literally will put deodorant on the outside of my underwear before I put my hands on. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. (laughs) That is
0: a move. Here's my thing about uh, toilet paper that never made sense to me. You know,
1: guy I'm talking about. You're like, yeah, yeah, I do.
0: Unfortunately, your drawers, baby. Unfortunately, we probably have similar guy or two in mind right now, too, while we're thinking about this based on the, the people that we know. But the thing about toilet paper that I've never gotten behind is if you just Got some crap on your hands. Yes, you wouldn't just take a paper towel and wipe it off of that, your hands. That, that's correct, right? That's I mean, exactly, you're going right. to do some type of like sanitation yes. process. You need a little yes. water on there to wash it off. I mean, I'm I'm in on a bidet. I think that I makes sense. I understand why some people might not want to go to that. It's, it, sounds ho- it sounds a little.
1: It sounds a little hoity toity for sure. But well, listen, I'm good with it?
0: I, it sends a little sensation you know up there it might yeah. might excite you it might take you to new places that you're not prepared for I, I get all that but at least use a disposable white folks like I'm yeah.
1: knowing you, dude I'm down with that
0: uh top five Christmas I always laugh when people ask you about movies because every time we're like yeah I'm not a I'm not a movies guy but I'm sure you have at least a couple Christmas movies that you can uh talk on what what are your favorite Christmas movies
1: <coughs> well I mean do we consider um do we consider any of the National Lampoon stuff Christmas Christmas movies?
0: Yes, well, Christmas Vacation.
1: Yeah, correct. So we yeah. Can't, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure because some people some people, do we consider Die Hard a Christmas movie?
0: I, I don't care. I don't understand why everyone always talks about that makes like a thing out of it. I I don't know. I I guess it is. I don't really. Well, care. Well, I will I say I don't think the, Die Hard's like a good movie. I don't understand I did, the, why people care.
1: The two that we usually would watch in the house when our girls were here were Elf. My, my oldest, my, everybody loves, I even a like classic Elf. Yeah. I, a yeah I, I, I love Bob Newhart. He's just such, so good. So El, Elf's good. Um, White Christmas is still a classic. I, I, I watch it. Uh, at my least fiance chunks of likes every year. that
0: crap too. I, I know. It's
1: horrible. It, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm no it's actually called, actually the movie is Holiday Inn, but the song White Christmas is in it. Um, let me think what else. Uh, Christmas Vacation, I mentioned, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I mean, that, you get a little touchy in that movie, right? Is that a Christmas movie? Yeah, isn't it? He's getting back home for Christmas, isn't he? Oh, that's okay. the whole point of oh, it.
0: I can go with that. All right. If that's considered a Christmas movie, I like that answer. That's and honestly,
1: and, and, and I'm going to go back to a classic, the, the original Peanuts Christmas. <laughs> okay. Dude, okay. I love it. I love
0: okay.
1: it. I, it's, it's, it's a favorite. So there's, there's my five.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not a big watch movies for Christmas guy, Uh, but Elf would probably be my, my top one there. What are your top five grievances this festival, skinny. <laughs>
1: Um, I'm so done with COVID. I could almost vomit. I'm so sick of all of it. Um, everybody's
0: take on it. Yeah, that's, um, that's the thing, right? Like, I just don't need to hear your opinion. On right. It. I do the, not listen, care at this. Point.
1: I, I, I started this podcast with telling you I got my booster. That's my decision. I don't care what your decision is. I'm going to try to do what best for me. You do what's best for you and never the twain shall meet. So that, 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 that's one of them for me. Um, I'm, I'm so sick of politics. I could vomit there too. It's just, it's so divisive anymore. Um, that, that, no matter what side you're on, you're going to get shouted down. And so nothing ever gets accomplished. And as that's
0: my, a shame, as my good friend, Brady labor says, I don't follow that sport. <laughs> I,
1: I don't, I, I follow it probably more now than I ever have, but I'm, I'm sick of the shouting from both sides that I, I've had enough of it. Um, I don't, ha- I don't really have a ton of grievances. I, 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 I'm trying to think I don't have much more than that. I really don't.
0: I've got a couple for the service industry, and this isn't me being a jerk to people who are uh, underpaid and understaffed and that type of thing. But one, if you fancy yourself as a sports bar, one, be willing to change your televisions and put on the games for people when they come in to watch games because that's you why think? they're coming there. Second, yeah, don't have like uh, F1 car racing or whatever, or the golf channel on during the middle of like a college football Saturday. Like, let's yeah, get that no. straight. First of all, second of all, put the sound on for a big game. Like if if you is playing a football game this year in any bar locally, you should have the sound on if you're a sports absolutely bar. that's absolutely. why people are there, uh, you know, same with if it's like a crosstown shootout or if UK is playing a basketball game at a sports bar around this area like that are that is why the people are there. Put the sound on for it. Also, bars, restaurants, if you have a large selection of beer, well, have a little something for everyone. We, we don't need IPAs accounting for four of your 12 taps there, Fred. You know what I mean? <laughs> like maybe throw in one sour for your boy. Yeah, just one. Well, just one. Or, throw in a or nice or, wheat beer or something. Yeah, there you go. I'm with you on that. That's like fair. if you go to Deadlow, which is one of my new favorite spots, it's perfect because they've got a little bit of everything for everyone. They're rotating stuff, they always keep it fresh, they've got great craft beer but they've got something for everyone. That's what you should be doing as a bar restaurant in the craft beer age. You know, I just, I don't really understand how people get where they get with some of their beer selections. I've I've got one more actually. Okay. Give give it to us. Let's go slow.
1: The F down while you're driving people. I don't need somebody when I'm going in. I love this. So if you drive in Northern Kentucky for a part of it, when I get on in Burlington, it's 65 miles an hour till you get to just about the 275 split. Then it gets down to 55, right? And I'm still cruising at 70 in the 55. And it's usually there's cops around there a bunch. And I just love the dude that rolls up on you in the middle lane, starts flashing his lights at you. I'm like, buddy, I'm already 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. Give me a freaking break, you jackass.
0: (laughs) As you know, I've been uh, pulled over for speeding there one time, which is like it, it's no one ever gets pulled over for speeding there as you're I know. to. I and know. And somehow
1: I did. Yeah. So why, why have it go down to 55 if you're not going to patrol it?
0: I, I'm with you unless I'm driving and trying to get to sports authority on a Sunday night. Um, I, well,
1: then, then, then I had I had guy yesterday at, when a truck almost cut me off. Um, I almost had to slam the brakes on. He flashes his lights at me, goes around, looks at me, gives me the finger. I'm like, I either was going to get the truck was going to roll over top of my car jackass or i was <laughs> going to have to stop and we were still going 70 miles an hour so were you in a 55 right right past harrison avenue on i-75 Yeah, actually in, in, in really mi- michigan enjoy pla- michigan when plates. people get
0: mad well i pulled cars. up I,
1: I i raced behind them started flashing my my uh, my, my bright side just <laughs> to piss them off ridiculous that doesn't Slow surprise me. down listen nine miles an hour over the speed limit good with that I'm okay with that. You don't have to go 55 and a 55. But if I'm cruising at 70, you don't need to be up my ass going 76. You know, here's the other part, too. And usually they do that when the the fast lane is open. Dude, that lane, you can go around me. You're allowed. There's nobody over
0: there. Go. That's why I'm over here, Chief. Right, right. Do you have any more? You got a few more. Well, how do you feel I'm, about I'm, kids I'm, I'm g- chanting at uh Bengals games near the press box? You oh, wanna- yeah. I
1: already I used that one already, but I'll use it again. I,
0: I, I got some amazing texts after last week's I, podcast. I mean, seriously.
1: Let's go. Bengals! Guys, it's a TV timeout. There's no place to uh, go. Please stop. There's no Santa.
0: <laughs> Someone did point out that, like, so essentially what you wanted those kids to do was come for the game cheer for like the first half but then quit after that like no cheering
1: no, in the second half No I cheer when it matters not during a TV timeout. what are you doing during a TV timeout
0: <laughs> They, they don't mean, know fra- it's it's a bo- honestly NFL games are boring there are way too many stoppages no, I to stop like they're just I, standing around out there I will give you that If you're a young kid you're like where the hell are all the replays and uh the the free food and commercials. Yeah, but it felt like mom
1: and dad were right below them. They kept egging them on. I mean, just some yeah, they probably there. were that, that's enough kids. Mom they're and dad everybody were probably bored
0: too. That, well, they, maybe. they brought them out in the public so they could yell and not have to listen to them in, in their own home. That's let's that go. Bengals. All right. And this one from our friend, Mo Egger, imagine you are Santa Claus. You've okay. just landed on my roof and you're excited because unlike every other stop, you know, there's something better than milk waiting for you at the bottom of that chimney. A libation awaits. What do you hope that libation is? Um, I would say a nice pour of Jameson. <laughs> really? <laughs> Out Out of nice, everything in the world. Or, ni- or, ni- ni- or a nice huh?
1: or a nice pour of Woodford Reserve. Yes. Take the chill off, sip it for a few minutes, get get, get myself a little bit warm, and then head back to my sleigh.
0: Uh, uh, Woodford Reserve sounds a little bit more reasonable to me than Jameson. If you could choose whatever you want. I like Jameson. I, I like doers
1: too. So I, I take, I'm a, I'm a Scotch guy as much as I am a bourbon guy.
0: All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, good, but
1: good, good pour of Woodford. I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll go with that. I'll go with you, the poor, good pour of Woodford.
0: You ever do a bourbon with like a Luxardo cherry or a Bada Bing cherry in it? I do not. Uh, I highly recommend that. If you're okay. looking for a little, like uh, just a slight mix up for your Christmas cocktail, Yeah, no, you can't just get like a maraschino cherry, a regular maraschino cherry. You got to get, they're they're a little more expensive. They're like maybe 10, 12 bucks a jar, but don't get the ones that are already infused with booze. So so it gives it a a nice little hint, a little extra flavor to it. Just a little extra sweetness. And then the best part is after you're done sipping on that drink, you get this bourbon soaked cherry at the bottom that just has a wonderful little uh, sweetness to it. So that's yeah, I, I. That's what I would go with. I would go with a uh, Blanton's in that. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah, on the rocks. I want one of those big old bourbon balls in the middle. I yeah, like that's, those. Oh things. yeah, that's a good call too. That's that's when you know call. you're at a good hotel is yes, when they're yes, offering you the yes. ice ball with your bourbon. Yep, great call. Yeah,
1: that's all I got. All right, good stuff. Hey, everybody have a great Christmas. Uh, we will be back on Sunday night with our Bengals post game podcast. It'll be interesting for sure, depending on what takes place on Sunday with the huge game with the Baltimore Ravens. So, again, Merry Christmas to everybody. And, kids, there is a Santa. Just just know that. I'm just kidding with everybody. Um, so, anyway, for Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly full pre-edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending.